miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. This is part four of the mystery of the church. I'm going to jump into something that we were talking about yesterday at the end. It's a scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. I'm reading from the King James Version, which says, Give no offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Uh, this is maybe a scripture that doesn't seem to have a lot of relevance to you, but it has huge implication for prophecy. Because it tells us that God identifies and sees three different groups of people on planet Earth. The Jews, the Gentiles, and the Church of God. Three totally groups, totally different groups. So this simple instruction tells us that God deals with people in different ways for different purposes because they're in different positions. Now, we talked about this yesterday, that whether you're Jew or Gentile, if you've received Christ, you are now in the church. And so there is no Jew or Gentile or male or female or black or white or any other race. When we're in the church, we're in the church, and we are one. And that's how God sees us. Uh, the Jewish people He deals with and has a separate program for them. There are a number of prophecies, especially in the Old Testament, loads of them, that are directed toward the Jewish people. And here's where a lot of prophetic teachers get in trouble and where a lot of people come to trouble. They become deeply troubled when they read some of these prophecies or listen to some of these teachers because some of these teachers do not distinguish between the Jews and the church. There are things that will happen to the Jewish people that will not happen to the church. They don't belong to the church. The church is in a totally different place. There is a separation there, and you need to see that. And so this concept is hugely important when we read about the future. God didn't give any of the Old Testament prophets a clear revelation of the church. How do I know that? I know it because when talking about the church, the Apostle Paul says that the church is a mystery. It's a mystery. It's something not understood before the time that he revealed it. And as we get deeper into the study, you're going to see that even the 12 apostles didn't understand that there was going to be a church, even though Jesus said and took them to uh, Caesarea Philippi and said, upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They still it went right over the top. And that often happens. You can see it in, in the resurrection if they really believed that Jesus would rise again on the third day, they would all have marched into that garden area where the Roman soldiers were keeping guard. They would have said, hey, we're just here to watch. We're not going to hurt you. We just want to see what happens when he rises because he's coming out of there in just a minute. Uh, that didn't happen. They didn't believe it. They were slow to believe it even after it did happen. And it took a number of days. It took 40 full days for them to be completely, fully, totally convinced that he had risen from the dead and that he had serious plans about their future. They were so discouraged. There came a time when they believed he was raised from the dead, but they weren't sure what they were going to do with their future. And so he had to reveal to them the church. Now, for this reason... 
the prophecies of the Old Testament do not pertain to the church of Jesus Christ. And, and this is what confuses people. And it amazes me how many people want to believe and teach that we are all going to go through the tribulation period. Let me read to you Daniel chapter 7. And of the ten horns, ten nations, kingdoms, and horns are symbols of authority. Remember when David was crowned king in Israel? Solomon, uh, or Solomon, Samuel took the anointing oil that was in a horn, a ram's horn, and he poured it on David's head. Horns are symbolic of authority. And of the ten horns that were in his head, the beast's head, of the other which came up, before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. There was a small horn that came up in the midst of the ten. This is the Antichrist. And I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them." Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And then look down at verse 25, Daniel 7, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Three and a half years, there's a time when Antichrist is really making war on the saints. So what is this? He is attacking all who come to faith after Christ has taken the church out of this world. And I, I, I'm going to show you later in the book of Revelation, but there is going to be a work of God done in that seven-year tribulation that is going to absolutely blow the minds of people. And I'm going to tell you right now, too many people focus only on the negative. When it says Antichrist made war against the saints, we automatically read into that. Okay, we're going to be here for that. That is not what he is saying. We are not going to be here. The Apostle Paul tells us some things about where we are during this time that he can't even be manifested till we're gone and out of the way. But there will be a number of people who will come to faith in Christ in the tribulation. Let me, let me just put this to you like this. What's the purpose of the tribulation? Well, some might think, well, it's to wipe out the earth. Why does God need seven years? If God wants to wipe out the earth, He can certainly do that in a lot less time than seven years. What the seven-year period represents is a pressure cooker. It puts every person on planet earth at a crossroads. When everything is going smoothly, when everything's going well, when things are nice and peaceful, it's amazing how complacent people get. I've seen this in my own family. When they had money, when things were rolling smoothly, they would drift from God, but you let the screws be put to them and they lose their source of income. They lose, uh, the, the, they don't know what they're going to do. Oh, all of a sudden they get real close to God, come in. I've seen my mom do that many, many times. When things get desperate, here she comes. And that's just human nature for a lot of people. Israel was this way. If you look at their story. When they were oppressed, they would turn to God. So God is going to permit a seven-year period on planet Earth to deal with people who've not yet made their decisions. The church has made a decision. We confessed Jesus Christ is Lord. We believed on Him. 
when you say we have to suffer persecution in order to be purified, to be made ready for heaven, you are saying then that it is something other than the blood of Christ that makes you worthy to stand in his presence. I'm telling you this, that it is the blood of Christ and that alone that saves you and justifies you. Now, now use your head for a minute. Think about this. Countless millions of people lived a life in this earth at a time when persecution was not great. They never had to experience a great deal of suffering, yet they were righteous and they knew God. If being persecuted and if suffering is what causes people to be made worthy and right, then those people were cheated. They should not have had those nice lives. Think about what Paul said when he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He said, pray for kings, for all who are in authority, and all men, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Paul tells us that the will of God is that we live in peace and tranquility, not in extreme persecution. When extreme persecution is going on, it doesn't stop the preaching of the gospel, but it does affect it somewhat. The scriptures teach and show us that the gospel spreads more easily and more quickly in times of peace and tranquility than it does in great persecution. Now, many people get serious with God in times with great persecution, but it doesn't have to be that way. Now, what we see is the Antichrist is going to attack the saints, and many of them will pay for their faith with their lives. We must remember that Christ died and he rose again to create the church, but he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, let me explain what I'm saying here. He is saying that his ministry and most of his words pertained not to the church, but they pertained to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There are loads of things that Jesus taught and things that he said in the Sermon on the Mount. They were meant for the house of Israel. They were not teachings for the church. But yet people just take everything Jesus said, they put it into a big bag, shake it all out, and we, we say, well, this is what we've got to do at all times. Paul lays down some things for us really helps us to understand that things are different now that we're in the church. There's a set of behaviors and rules in the church that were not in place when Jesus was here on the earth. Now, listen to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 30, okay? Verse 4, these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask you now, and see whether a man does travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins, as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. In other words, there's a time when Israel is in great distress, and people are doubled over in pain. Alas, Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, for that day is great, so that none is like it, it is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. 
Now, anytime God talks about Israel and uses the name Jacob, he's talking about Jacob who is not walking fully with God. <laughs> uh, when he was walking in true fellowship with God, he was called Israel. But when he fell back into his humanity, he was Jacob. And this is called the time of Jacob's trouble. That's what the tribulation is. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's designed to turn Israel to the Messiah, and the plan of God succeeds. But it also turns all of the undecideds in the Gentile community. It also turns them to one decision or another. Will you choose Christ or will you choose uh, the Antichrist? You're going to have to make up your mind. So what I want you to see is that God is separating. He is making some distinctions. Now I want to read some scriptures to you because a lot of people read these and they don't read them with this thought in mind. Matthew 24, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? When will this be torn down? That's the, what they're asking. What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age? Those are different questions. They lumped it all together. They assumed that the destruction of the temple would be associated with the end of the age. It wasn't. It happened in 70 AD, 40 years after the crucifixion of Christ. So they're really asking him different questions. But Jesus, in his great wisdom, answers these things and, and, and shows us that there are repetitions. In other words, there are many things that happened just before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD that will happen in the end of days. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And there were false messiahs who came along and predicted that they were uh, the Christ. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, or in other words, reports of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. And that word is ethnos. It means there'll be great ethnic strife. Different people fighting because of the colors of their skin or maybe their ethnic background. Even though their skin is the same color, they're still fighting with each other. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. The end is not yet. Uh, he says, for nation shall rise against nation. We've already talked about that. Pestilence, we've seen that. Famines, earthquakes in different places. All these are the beginning of birth pangs. And what's happening here is the earth is going to be totally changed. And it's, it's, it's experiencing its birth pangs. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. Now he's talking to Jewish believers. And he said, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Now listen to me. Where you and I are today, what does Romans chapter 10 verse 13 say to us? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say that we have to endure to the end to be saved. It says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so he's saying that if you live through all of this, you will be saved. But he's talking to Jewish believers. Then he says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, then shall the end come. The end that he's talking about is not the catching away of the church. It is the closing of the tribulation. And he is saying that even in the tribulation, and I will show scripture for this, that there will be a tremendous harvest of souls. Now listen to verse 15. 
When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso reads, let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. That's not written to us. We're not living in Judea. We're not in the holy place. We're not going to see the abomination of desolations where Antichrist goes into the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount in the middle of the tribulation and proclaims to the world that He is God. Jesus said when that happens, get out of Dodge, get to the wilderness, flee quickly, get out. He is giving a word to the Jewish people who are alive and in Israel at the time of the end. You don't take every scripture. You don't take them all. Lump them all together and apply them to everybody. This prophecy was not given to the church. This was a prophecy given to those people who had be, or were becoming believers in this time of Jacob's trouble, and even some who weren't believers. They're still believers in Yahweh, the God of Israel, but they haven't yet come to faith in Christ. He's telling them, get out, go to the wilderness, escape. Now, I use this to tell you that it's so very important that when we read prophetic scripture, we stick with things that were specifically spoken to us. And when my wife asked me this question, what do we go by? I said, we go by what is written and directed specifically to the church. And I'm bringing out some things that were written and directed at other people, but they're not our prophecies. We can learn from them, we can see things from them, but they're still not our prophecies. The epistles and the writings particularly of the Apostle Paul have tremendous implications for the church. Because remember, the church was a mystery. It was total secret. People didn't know it. Even here, even here, at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, Matthew 24, just before the cross, they still didn't get the idea of the church. They didn't even get it after the resurrection. I'll show you later why I know they didn't get it. Well, that's all the time I have for today. But we're going to come back. We're going to stay with this, keep teaching on it. I'll see you tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.